Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're tuned into the Writing Community Chat Show, the live streaming YouTube podcast that brings you the stories of authors, screenwriters, and more. Indie or established, this show's for the community. We invite you to be a part of it. Head to the writing community chat show.com for more info. The WCCS, together as one, we get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Writing Community Chat Show, the live streaming YouTube podcast that discusses writing, books, and life. Uh, we discover the story of our guests and they offer insightful writing tips and advice. And, and as we kick off the new year, it's a perfect time to reflect on what we've done previously and to set some good writing goals for the future. So whether you're a seasonal writer or just someone who's um, starting out, it's important to have something to aim towards. So let's set this as a good target to make some plans to kind of um, reflect on that this time next year and hopefully have achieved some good stuff. So welcome to the Writing Community Chat Show. It's 2023. Hello, Chris. Uh, welcome back to the show. 2023, uh, we've had a Christmas party. We had a good New Year's. Uh, how have you been? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, man. I think we just recovered from the Christmas party. Uh, <laughs> the, the episode itself was a couple of hours long, and then the after party was even longer. Um, wow, yeah. Yeah, plenty of beverages. So, yeah, I'm happy to be on the other side of the year now, um, starting a new year fresh and, yeah, doing dry, dry January. So, books and yeah. brews for the time being. Books and brews, yeah, but um, uh, for you maybe. But I'm I'm sticking to the beer for now. Uh, it's it's um, <laughs> Brandon says the after party was fun. It was, and I stayed up till stupidly late of that or early the next morning that night on my own, dancing around the living room, um, which wasn't a good thing when there's no other people around. <laughs> but there you go. That's the joys of virtual parties, right? Um, yeah, it was a it was a good Christmas New Year's. Um, how about you, Chris? Yeah, very loud one. Uh, lots of family around, um, and yeah, I'm cautious of the fact that i'm doing this in a different space because my house is very very busy today and i'm trying uh, to limit the noise i've got literally bath towels near, around the door stopping nice. the sound from coming in uh, because obviously we've got a brilliant guest on tonight and i can't wait to chat to him about his amazing book isaac and the egg um fantastic book and i think we're gonna have some great conversations as a result of it um you know i'm not ashamed to admit cried a couple of times um reading this book and almost cried laughing a couple of times as well uh, there's some bits in particular that do you know when something just really gets to you and just tickles you 
right to your core. Uh, There's a few of those moments as well. Um, and I'm also a bit worried because we know on this show that I have a phobia of ET, like a genuine phobia. Um, yep. Me and Rob Parker share this phobia. And this was very close to the bone in parts uh, for, oh. for me in that respect. Um, and the setting of this book is very real to me because there's a bridge and stuff, and we'll go into it a little bit more, but very close okay. to my house. Um, I'm excited so to find I, out. Yeah, I can see everything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, scary. Yeah. Uh, hello to you all in the chat. It's great to see you, and I hope you had a great Christmas and New Year's. I really do. And, of course, like I mentioned at the start, if you did miss that when you when you when uh, when the show started, um, we'd like to see if you've got plans for the new year, uh, whether they're writing plans or they're just kind of um, lifestyle or sort of plans for mental health or physical health or anything like that. If you've got New Year's plans, let us know in the chat, and specifically about writing as well. What are your Ooh. writing goals for 2023? And please, if you can, hit that like button and the subscription button. And uh, that will really help the show. Thank you. Yeah, I've, I haven't got a writing goal per se this year, but I've got a reading goal. Um, and that's to read and review one book a week at the minimum um, for the show. So, you know, I'm going to start off with Bobby's um, book this weekend. I'm going to record a video for that and upload that. Um, and hopefully by the end of the year, there'll be 52 books and my beard would have grown in comparison with the books. Um, that was my idea to do anyway. That's why I'm all clean shaven. Um, so we'll see, yeah, if we stick to that. You, you could do a, quite a cool thing with that. And at the end of the year, you could do a sponsored shave the beard. Oh, yeah, I could and do that. And that could go to like a book charity or, or we could help it as like a marketing, um, marketing a promote, uh, an author kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, yeah that's, that's quite an idea. But you might get quite attached to it after a year. <laughs> yeah, I'll just look like Gandalf in 2024. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I like it. Uh, Halo says, uh, finishing this crazy book, buy more beer and galactical domination. Mm. Yeah, yep. galactic That's domination, like it. Why not? Yeah. Aim big. <laughs> Aim big. Right, so we're going to get today's uh, author on because um, we need to chat to that person instead of rambling on like we do. Uh, so I'll introduce tonight's guest, Chris, uh, who is the author of the Saturday Times bestselling novel, Isaac and the Egg, which you can see up above Chris Hooley's head. And he is, his writing has appeared in GQ, Esquire, Men's Health, Time Out, Cosmopolitan, and more. And he co-hosts the Book Chat podcast with Pandora Sykes. Um, he's a journalist and broadcaster who also blogs on his website. This is a uh, good demonstration there, Chris. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Bobby Palmer. Hello, Bobby. Hello, and thank you for that uh, that visual and and audio introduction. That was that was great. <laughs> <laughs> you are very very welcome, Bobby. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm I'm feeling almost like I'm coming back to reality after after the Christmas break. I'm not doing dry January, but I, yeah. I probably should be. <laughs> Do you know what? It's one of those funny funny times of year where we kind of just think, yeah, it's Christmas. We can let ourselves do this and do that, and then suddenly you're like half a stone heavier and regret the last six weeks of your life. But you know, it's um, it's still a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and the fun is what matters, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, so where are you coming from in the world, Bobby? Uh, so I live uh, down in Sussex. Um, yeah, so nearish Tunbridge Wells, which is in Kent. But I'm, I'm sort of on the border before anyone uh, accuses me of, of lying about my location. <laughs> we need <laughs> proof. Live yeah. location. <laughs> <laughs> I should have like a local newspaper that I can hold up. Like a yeah. yeah. 
So yeah, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you on and to chat to you. And we're going to find out your story and ask you about Isaac and the Egg. I know Chris has got many questions. He's actually banged on about this book for quite a while now, um, which That's is not a good the right sign. Burn. Banged on. In the I, right way, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, promote. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm Welsh. It's fine. Um, <laughs> um, but Bobby, no, before everything in 2023, mate, I'm Welsh. It's fine. <sighs> okay, I'm, I'm embarrassed. Um, so, Bobby, <laughs> yes, early in 2023, embarrassing. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> so, Bobby, like what we like to do at the start of the show is find out kind of where your story comes from and how you got into writing and what your inspirations are. So if you don't mind, could you kind of rewind the tape a bit and let us know where writing became something in your life? Yeah, so I, I wasn't, um, I, I didn't have any any real sort of grand ambitions of being a, a novelist. Like I, I've always wanted to be a writer. When I was a, a kid, I would sort of draw my own comic books with you know, like colored pencils. That's what I'd spend my, everyone else would be like playing football and doing the cool stuff, talking to girls. I'd, I'd be drawing comic books on my own in the corner. Um, and sort of I, when I became a teenager, I, I, I decided I wanted to be a journalist. And um, I then basically did that as a career. I, I made the very smart decision uh, at the sort of turn of the 2010s to decide to go into magazines, um, which, no one reads anymore, really. So I had quite a, a turbulent and short career as a as a full time magazine journalist, and then have been a freelance journalist for the last few years. Um, but it was only really around the time of um, COVID or, or just before COVID that I that I started thinking about writing a book. Um, and it, I, I I wrote Isaac and the Egg during lockdown one. Um, after, after I wrote another, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but I wrote another book before, which I didn't sell. Um, then COVID lockdown hit, I wrote Isaac and the Egg in, in its entirety in, in the first lockdown and, and sort of got a book deal at the end of 2020. And, and here we are. And Chris has muted himself. I have, you're quite right. Um, I said that's incredible. And I think, um, COVID has a lot to include in this show. It has a lot of creative, um, responsibilities that yeah it allowed people to gain opportunities they wouldn't normally have had as terrible as it has been it's also shone a light on that industry so it's been obviously a good uh, time for you in in terms of creating that mm. but when you were stepping from the world of writing magazines into writing novels did you have to kind of change your tactics at all or, or were you quite fluent in that transition it, it felt like i'd always thought when i was working as a journalist that that people who wrote um novels were just sort of smarter <laughs> I, I always thought i was i was maybe like not clever enough to write a book so making you know i had an idea for that first book and then and then when i decided to start writing it it was, it was quite a, quite a scary it's a, it's a real leap of faith and i feel like it's one of those things when, when you talk to uh, your nearest and dearest, even even your very nearest and dearest, when you say uh, I'm writing a book, I think everyone listening to this show will know the reaction of like, "Oh, are you?" Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like you know, and it and it is true. You know, I I found that that writing a book, trying to write a book, was was treated very much as a as a hobby and and sort of a, a real flight of fancy until I actually got a book deal. Um, I think that's just the nature of of doing anything that involves your imagination in the in the 
in the modern world. But um, I, so when I when I started writing a book, I I thought it was a totally different thing. I thought I have no tools with which to to do this. I'm I'm really flying blind. And then when I started doing it, I actually realized it's it's just all you know, all writing is the same. You 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 write you draft something that has a beginning, a good beginning, and a and a good end, and a mess in the middle. Uh, and then you go back and you rewrite it, and then you get someone to read it, and then you rewrite it. So you know, it, it's no different to an article. It's just a lot longer. Uh, and I think that was sort of the most daunting thing: is the long, the longest thing I'd written before a book was, you know, two or three thousand words, where you could scroll up and down and see how the whole thing is um, is sort of linking together. And then when you're doing that with a document that's like two, three hundred pages long, it starts, you, you know, you start seeing some plot holes. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, one of my th this is a really brave book. Um, it's one of sort of the books that will, I think will stick with me for the rest of my life. Um, it's one of those type of novels. So ha we won't go into it too much yet. Uh, and I'm not going to give any spoilers away uh, throughout the course of this interview. If anyone obviously is interested in reading it, but there's not going to be any spoilers like that. But I do want to talk about some of the themes and some of the things that you touch on in the book. Um, but where did the initial idea come from uh, to tackle such a brave concept? Um, you'll you'll hate to hear it, but ET was was a was a sort of <laughs> initial thing. And I have to I have to say, have you seen? I don't know if you've seen the tweet that said, if if me and my friend found ET, we'd have killed him with hammers because that really <laughs> reminded me of what you were saying. But um, mm. no, I I didn't approach this book as a, as, a, as a very serious book at all, which I think probably would come as a surprise to, to people who've read it because it ended up being a pretty serious. You know, it, it, I like to think it's still a comedy, but it, I think you'd mainly say it, it, it is quite bleak and it's quite uh it, i like to think it tackles some quite serious themes but when i first came up with the idea I, I i i've always loved films there's a lot of film references in the book and i've always loved those sort of um creature features where you know a man or a boy will find a horrible little creature and and friend it and help it get home um i was try I, I was trying to think of a you know i i knew i wanted to write another book um mm. when i hadn't sold that first one and i it was around the time that everyone was going crazy for baby yoda uh, and the sort of mandalorian <laughs> so yeah. um i was watching the mandalorian and i remember just thinking what if you tried to write a really you know deep story that touched on a lot of themes you know there's a lot of themes around uh, male mental health, loneliness, uh, masculinity, grief, all of these things. And I was sort of like, what if you did that, but but Baby Yoda was also in it the whole time? So you sort of did the E.T. story, but as a really serious grown-up story with the the levity that comes from just having this weird little creature in the corner of, of you know, uh, of, of therapy and of someone trashing their house because they're so filled with rage after after a huge loss. So... Uh, that was the initial idea, um, and it was only really when I started, you know, I had the title straight away. I, I, I cannot remember, but everyone always asks why an egg, and I, I can't remember. I think it was, <laughs> I, I had this image of him finding an egg in the forest, and it just seemed yeah. like something that would draw people in. So um, it was Isaac and the Egg straight away, but it was only when I started writing it that I started to, you know, get to know Isaac as a character, um, get to know 
his his story, get to know Mary, his his late wife. Um and it just became something totally different to, to what I'd intended. And I, I think that was definitely assisted by the fact that about a few, you know, a few weeks into writing it, COVID um locked everything down and it, it mm-hmm. I ended up in quite a a strange fearful time and I I think you have a lot of books coming out around now that are you can almost identify as lockdown books but they're not Mm -hmm. books about lockdown you know there's no pandemic in this book but there is a sense of claustrophobia of a man being stuck uh, in his house not talking to anyone wearing his dressing gown Mm -hmm. all the time and that was what I was living at the time you know I haven't been through anything Mm -hmm. as bad as as bad as Isaac but definitely Mm -hmm. it felt almost like method acting uh, when I was writing the book um but yeah, I, I'd say a lot of the a lot of the more serious stuff, and and you know, you, you say it's it's a brave book. I think a lot of the the bravery, if it is there, came later on, and it it was very much realizing when I'd first written it, and it was still quite light, and it still skipped over a lot of the more serious stuff. It was realizing, you know, this book could be one thing or it could be another, and if if I if I actually lean into what it should be, it, it could be something special. So it's always uh, amazing to hear when people do say it, it works um and and that it that it sticks with them so yeah thank you yeah what well, sorry chris so one of the things i was going to say is the humor in it is brilliant um and without going in again spoiling too much how did you go about combating the language factor with egg um because once i kind of understood a little bit of how egg was communicating that added to the comedy value for me when I was reading bits of dialogue and things that he was saying and then understanding them, even though you, you have no right to understand them because it's complete gibberish, but you do <laughs> understand them uh, and it makes it hilarious. And some of the best moments for me was when I kind of understood what Egg was saying before it was kind of revealed what was happening, if, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh, so I'm interested to know how you combated that creation of language um, factor when writing so egg egg as a character is a a real mishmash of you know those references i was talking about before and i think there's a real um there's a real tradition of of that sort of comedy in in stories like et you know that there, there's a um there's a, a running joke in the book that that when isaac and and the egg as it is at that point first meet they scream at each other like uh like Elliot and ET do when they first meet in ET but um in the book egg thinks that screaming is is the human way of saying hello so it keeps on happening and he keeps like making Isaac <laughs> jump out of his skin i you know i i had to really even though this li- little you know 2 foot tall creature is very much you know you don't know if it's there or not and and it the description of it is very it sort of shifts in its in its um lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tangibility and, and in, in how real it is and how and how it looks, really, depending on how Isaac's feeling. But 
it was important to me that in a book where you almost only have two characters, definitely most of the time you just have two characters, you'd have to believe that Egg was a character. So I, you know, I have a, a notebook somewhere um, where I was planning it, where I, I have, you know, a uh, almost a, a dictionary of, of Egg's vocabulary, which is, is sort of garbled English and, and some <laughs> strange language from another world. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, it was important to me in a book about, in a book about grief, in a book about a man who has very much lost his way from humanity. It was really important that this inhuman thing that, that is the only thing he's spending any time with. It was important that as Isaac regained his humanity, Egg would become a bit more human as well. So that's why it's a creature, a sort of horrible, stinking uh, animal at the start in the in the same way that Isaac is. But then as the book progresses and Isaac starts to speak to people again, he starts to come back to life almost um, and become more human. Uh, the egg egg becomes uh, more human as well. So he starts speaking, but I knew he, I didn't, I, yeah, I never wanted him to, be sort of on Isaac's shoulder talking in a in a sort of hokey accent. So I always knew it would be some weird garbled language he'd be doing and, and it was a lot of fun to create. Yeah, I can imagine definitely. It sounds really interesting in, in in creating a concept like that. And I love the idea of having the the vocabulary sort of catalogue there to, to use because it's a great tip for writers who are developing something, especially in this series, to have that to rely on is fantastic. Yeah. But going back to what you mentioned before about the story changing than what you had originally planned, I'm interested to know how you adapted to that or how you sort of uh, approached that. And do you have any tips for someone who might be writing that their story is starting to change? And they're not quite sure how to deal with it. I think the most the most drastic thing that happened while I was writing this book is that um, there is, and this is, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm Stepping on eggshells. Egg uh, <laughs> I keep finding myself doing that and then like just cringing so hard. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try and avoid spoilers, but the, you know, there is a, a reveal, a, a, a twist essentially that comes about three quarters of the way through the book where you realize not everything is quite as it seems. Um, I didn't know there was one until I finished the first draft. And it was only when I got right to the end of writing it that I sort of, I almost, you know, I, I'd like to pretend I had this eureka moment where I sort of sat back from my desk and went, but I, I, I it felt like that. I, I realized that what was, what the story was about basically. And, and I, people who've read it will probably know if you took that element away, it wouldn't work. The, the, the story would be very, very flat, but um, I only realized that really late on. So I, I think my biggest tip in that respect is if you're, gut is telling you that the story has to go in in a certain direction that's the direction it needs to go in mm. if you're really frustrated about something it means it's probably wrong and, and you're in the process of working it out but really my biggest piece of advice is is have the courage to just go back and rewrite the whole thing because it yeah. will be better and I, I you know I endlessly rewrite stuff I mean I'm, I'm working on another book at the moment and I, I've I've rewritten the whole thing so many times across the last two years that it's almost unrecognizable from what it was. And it's almost like when you have, you know, to, to, to try and use some really clumsy metaphor, it's like uh, if your book is a, a big 
clumsy piece of rock that you you sculpt over over time if you let it sort of get eroded down into a different shape to what you planned it to be it, mm. it will be a really beautiful shape because every every time you're rewriting it you're making it better and every time your gut is telling you to do something it's you as a reader going what would i what would i like to read in this scenario yeah it's really interesting and there's a lot of response to that in the chat that people are interested in in that sort of kind of concept but um yeah so it's it's very interesting to have have a rewrite all the time and and to completely strip it back and rewrite but how many drafts do you typically typically kind of go through before you can happy with it because in reality we can get dragged into that process of just keep working at it so much that we kind of lose sight of what it actually should be perhaps yeah and i i definitely you know i i think you there is a point where you have to let go you know like um there's definitely a point where you have to let go to the extent of letting other people read it um because you know you don't you don't know best you're not writing for yourself you're writing for a reader so if you get stuck sharing it with someone else is, is probably the best way to go. But I, I, I probably actually go through less drafts than most writers, but only because I, I, I plan very, very, very intensively. I'll spend a long, long time planning um, and sort of, you know, writing notes on my phone. Then I'll start a notebook, which I will, I will, you know, it will end up looking, if you've, if you've seen seven, it'll end up looking like the sort of serial killer <laughs> notebook they find in the, the apartment in that, you know, it's all scribbled in the margins in all these different colors. Um, so by the time I've actually started writing a book, I've, I've been working on it in, in my head for a very, very long time. Then I will tend to write the first draft. And I think the best thing to do with the first draft is just start writing and, and don't look back, you know, sort of sprint mm -hmm. through it because you know as i said with Isaac and the egg you, you you'll get to the end of that first draft and then you'll realize what the story is where the story's going you know there's so many good quotes from people cleverer than me about uh about writing i think it's either neil gaiman or um or terry pratchett said that uh you know the first draft is you telling yourself the story uh, and the second draft is you telling other people and then there's a, also another quote about like uh the first draft being like stumbling through a, a dark woods with a lantern where you can only see so far ahead and so far behind. And I think both of those are really true. You just need to get that first draft done. Mm -hmm. Then it, it depends on the book, to be honest. Isaac and the Egg, I, I probably only wrote one more, maybe two more drafts until I, I shared it with, with my agent. But it's it's even though it, it has elements working under its surface, it's a fairly simple book. It's 10 chapters long it tells the story of two characters and it starts and uh, you know starts at the start and ends at the end it, 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 it <laughs> does jump back into isaac's past it has to yeah. but it's fairly linear so it, it wasn't something that really really opened itself up to a lot of plot holes it doesn't have loads of different to uh, povs so it, it was a, it was a fairly easy one to do one side one side got the initial story down um but then the other two the you know the book the book i wrote before isaac and the, and the book i'm i have just finished or i'm just about finishing now have gone through loads of drafts because it yeah. needed to and because they're longer and because they have more characters and i think when you have a an idea that's more ambitious <laughs> it it sets itself up for failure more easily so you have to be prepared if you're trying to write something a bit more complex that you're probably going to have to rewrite it more, but it, you know, it will, it will hopefully pay off in the end. Mm. 
I know, I know. Sorry, Chris. I'm going to jump in a second because I know you're going to want to ask so many questions about the book. But Bobby, before you, he does that, can you kind of give a, a rundown to everybody what that is about, so they can get the gist of it? So when he's asking the questions, it makes it a little bit more sense, perhaps. Isaac and the Egg. Yes, please. Yeah. So it's um, it, well, it's one of those, but it's it's funny because I, obviously, I we can't not talk about it. But it is it is one of those books that's good to not know too much. Essentially, it's it's about a man who it's one of the worst days of his life. Um, you find out quite early on that, that his, um, his wife, Mary, has died. He is left totally alone. He's standing on a bridge. He's sort of screaming his pain away. Uh, and then something in the woods screams back. So he goes in, he finds a giant egg and decides to take the egg home. Um, and essentially, as, as, as you'll have gleaned already, the egg is uh, an entity in itself, a, a sort of, talking squeaking squealing thing uh and isaac and egg as as he becomes known they have to forge a, a sort of weird friendship while isaac shuts himself away from the rest of the world Ooh, amazing i uh, kind of before we talk a little bit about some of the things in the book i wanted to take you back to the planning section of yep. it um i can almost imagine you sat there going right i'm going to talk about men's mental health in this book i'm also going to talk about grieving process and then if you told somebody at that point, these are the things I'm going to cover, they've probably gone, what? <laughs> Why are you going to do those? Um, because obviously it's not been done that often. I can't mm. think of another book that's tackled these issues in the same manner in which you have, because you've tackled them head on. Um, and then on the flip side of that, you've got the comedy and you've got the cultural references, which are just brilliant. Um, so how did you plan for that? How did you try? Was it a constant process of you trying to tackle <laughs> one really hard issue but also put light in the darkness if that makes sense I think the funny thing is is that I never I definitely never planned to write a book about men's mental health um I the the the, the latter stuff you you mentioned is is what I thought the book was going to be about so really it was if I'd set out and I'd gone oh I want to write a book about men's mental health I, I don't think it would have worked I think it would have it would have come across as you know, trite and 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 uh, a little bit cynical, mm. but I I was writing about a man going through a hard time. Uh, in this case, grief. I've I haven't suffered a, a, you know a, a great grief like Isaac has, but I am a young man, and and I I was sort of putting myself in the position of how would I feel in that situation, and how do I react? How do I how do I cope how do I sort of communicate with the outside world when times are hard so in that respect it it became you know Isaac became semi-autobiographical but the whole book just became something about what it what it's like to be a young man and I think there aren't there aren't a load of books by definitely there aren't a load of of, of books by young men that aren't massively literary because this is you know it, it's it's plot driven that you know there's there's a, a, a sort of strange creature in it um so I think I definitely I felt like I hadn't read a lot of books like it I, I was trying to write something that I I would have liked to read um and then as as it came along it, it just got a bit deeper I sort of bared my soul a bit more but it's been it's been really one of the nicest things has has been how many men especially sort of men my age have have got in touch and and uh messaged me or sort of 
uh, emailed me and said, you know, I don't read novels, but I read this one and it really affected me, which is really special because I, you know, I know that there is a, there is a, a stereotype of, of young men, well, men of any age reading, you know, only crime and nonfiction. So for, for, to begin those sort of messages about a novel is really nice. But yeah, so when I, when I realized what the book was becoming, when it, when it started to get a lot um, more, uh, more about emotions, more about mental health, more about grief, more about depression, um, it then did become a really, a real tightrope. And, and as much as it didn't go through a lot of drafts, it went through a lot of fine tuning because there was, there were times when it was really light, really, really light. And Ooh. in being too funny, too comedic, was felt like it was making light of of, of those more serious themes. And then yeah. there were times where it was really, really, really dark. And it, it, it started, you know, veering into uh, misery porn and, and, and being one of those things that no one, no one really wanted to read. And, and, you know, when you're trying to do, full-on slapstick comedy and really really serious literature at the same time it's it's really tough and I you know there there are there were times where I was like I don't think I can make this work but I had a really good editor <laughs> and I think that was that was probably the thing that that helped the most because you do I, I think anyone who's who's tried writing a book knows that you go so far down a rabbit hole at one point that you you no longer you you know you can't be trusted to write your own book because you're you're too deep into it you you know you you assume that what you feel and know about it is what every reader and editor will feel so i think it's good to you know i always think that that everyone who offers you advice on what you're writing is you know better placed than you and i i always try to listen to every bit of advice because i think you're what the moment you start that first page you're too deep into it to be to be totally trusted it's a really interesting thing that, that when you talk about sensitive subjects and, and topics when you're an author, that how do you approach that correctly in, in the way that you do it justice the way you want to do it justice? So was there a sense of relying on your editor to get that across? Or were you quite happy to approach that in the way uh, that you were confident to just say this is how it kind of should be? No, I was terrified. <laughs> I was, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't, I really don't. Um, I have a very thin skin. <laughs> I, I take criticism really really personally so I almost I knew what story I wanted to tell but I actively resisted the what ended up being the best bits of the book I it was very very late that the, the the therapy scene which I think for me now is probably the most one of the most pivotal scenes in the book that was a very late edition and that would you know that was when I was I was essentially having a conversation with my editor and 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 the conversation was you, you uh, it was i was skimming over the surface of isaac basically yeah. you know what does he actually feel if if you're if the love of your life dies you're gonna you're gonna feel pretty bad about it and and you know i think i really i didn't want this to be a grief book i didn't want it to be a mental health book but i think that was really just because i didn't feel like I was an expert, you know, or I didn't, I, I, I felt like I'd publish it and people would go um, fraud or people, people would say like, what gives you the right to write about these topics? But it's, I, I, having the book out there, I, I, it couldn't have been further from the truth. You know, I, everyone, 
it's well, not everyone. <laughs> it's, it's not a unanimous five-star reviews. Yeah. Um, and I am one of those read every bad review person, but you know, it's been really nice that the majority um, of reviews have said that the, the, you know, those bits I was worried about are the best mm. bits of it. Um, and the bad reviews tend to just be like, I found that egg creature really weird. <laughs> you know, Which I'm, is a great I, bad I, review. Let's be honest. Yeah. Think, yeah. 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 It could be worse it's, reviews. Uh, um, I think there's definitely there's a contingent of readers who if they you know if you read the first 30 40 pages and you go like that is too weird for me <laughs> give up then yeah yeah hey, sorry one, just one second yeah um, no worries. sorry just Halo said I love the focus on men's health uh, it should be a topic that should be definitely explored more um so thank you for the comments yeah I agree mm. um so yeah, I mean, we're going to stick with mental health a little bit. Um, I'm going to talk about the tears because there was three times that I remember in this novel that I cried. Two of those times were because I was very sad. One was sad in a different way to the sad that I was at the end. So I was still sad at the end. <laughs> but let me explain briefly the moments. So the first time that I cried was a comedical cry and I was literally tears streaming down my face because I was laughing so hard was a scene where egg carries something to Isaac and places it somewhere. Um, so I'm not going to go into it cause I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but that was the first time. And it, I was crying laughing so much so that my partner, she ran upstairs and she said, are you okay? I was like <laughs> trying to breathe it out. Like, yes, I'm fine. Um, and then there's two other occasions, one where we find out what happened to Mary and how it happened. And obviously it's not a spoiler giving it away that she's she's passed away. Uh, but obviously we don't find out until later in the book how it actually happened. And I found that scene. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And the moments between the two of them, how the narrative was sort of flipping between the two, just so utterly heartbreaking because I could visualize it myself. Like it was so ordinary that it took, I could see it touching everyone. Um, and I think that's why it got to me in that, in that respect, because like I could imagine it happening to my partner, my mom, my dad, or something like that. Get emotional now. <laughs> Did you hear it in my voice then? Um, bringing it back. That's the power of words. And um, yeah. And then the last, time that I shed a tear was with Isaac and the egg on the bridge. And I'm not going to go into it any more than that, but the second time around on the bridge, I just thought that was really beautiful as well. Um, and that, how you crafted that relationship to that point. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. Um, so yeah, 
I'm guessing other people have had an emotional response. There's a question in there somewhere. But how do you react when people have such a strong emotional response to you, right? Well, my, my first reaction is normally to say sorry. It's You always feel like you should apologise for making people cry. But obviously, you know, it, it's the it's the best reaction and the best reaction you can possibly get. I genuinely believe as an author, and it's what I always want to do with everything I write, is if you can make someone laugh and cry, um, and and the nicest reaction is when people say they laugh and they cry on the same page. Uh, I think you know that's the spectrum of, of human emotion. Apart from making people really angry, which is not something I think you necessarily <laughs> want to do. Um, it, it's it's. I'm really happy you said about it, it feeling normal because that was the most important thing mm. about um, crafting Isaac and Mary's relationship for me. Because mm. I, when I first started writing this book. I, I really didn't want it to feel um, inauthentic. I didn't want it to feel, um, you know, cynical, like I said before. So I read a lot of, of memoirs um, about grief. I read uh, uh, the C.S. Lewis has written one, um, Joan Didion, and uh, one that really, really, really stuck with me called Say Her Name by Francisco Goldman. Um, and that's written by a a man who lost his girlfriend in a in a freak accident when when she was very young. Um, and what really struck me about about those all of those memoirs really was was the the, the physicality, the the raw animalistic way that, that that grief manifests, but also that none of them were books about death. They were all books about love. They were all books about the person you know, about the person that, that had been lost. And so when I started writing Isaac and Mary, it was very important to me that it, it wouldn't become, you know, a, a, a dead wife story, which you get a lot in Hollywood. You get a lot of, uh, you know, sort of someone's, uh, the male hero, his his wife has died and you only ever see her like laughing in a curtain or or sort of under a bed sheet. Um, <laughs> it, it was important to me that Mary would be as, as, a really integral character and she is very very present a lot of it takes place in the past and and you know i i i wanted mary to feel like a an authentic person and it sounds weird to say but but to write it you know i i had to i i obviously had to imagine what that would be like so i i there is so much of of mine and and my now wife uh nina in isaac and mary and it was it was quite a weird writing experience because i sort of almost you know killed her off uh, for the book and when she read it she was you know she cried um but she cried because she was like you know this is us not not crying because she thought i wanted to murder her but there's so much of us in it but but you know i think you have to you know if, if you're trying to write about something like love you have to really draw on your own experience because love is is a, a very normal day-to-day -day thing and it doesn't uh, it doesn't manifest in in sort of you know grand moments in train stations. It manifests in uh, little text conversations, you know, uh, about you know making fun of each other for for being old because you've you've ordered an electric electric blanket, or it manifests in getting annoyed at someone else for um, leaving you know great scoops of of butter out of the tub in the fridge. Uh, that that's the sort of thing I really wanted to get into Isaac and Mary's relationship. So I'm I'm really happy it does come across as authentic because. I, I thought that was the most important thing. And then when it came to Isaac and Egg, you know, you have, you basically have, you have this central character, Isaac, who is maybe on his own the whole time. Then you have Mary, who is 
real to him, but is a memory, and egg who is real to him, but you're never quite sure if it's if it's real. It's a talking egg. So you know, it was important that you would have both of them really fleshed out, but also almost have a parallel love story. So mm. you'd have Isaac and Mary in the past, how how they met, how they fell in love, and and you know their great love story, but then also the great love story of, of Isaac and Egg in the present, which which is also the story of how Isaac learns to live without Mary, because that's, you know, that's the, the purpose that, that Egg serves. So it, it was important that those those stories would run on parallel tracks and that towards the end, you'd, you'd get a satisfying denouement in both cases, you know, not only in in what happened with Mary and, and, and you know, how does Isaac make his peace, but also... Ooh. Um, you know, what happens with Isaac and Egg because you know, they're the title character. Can yeah. I just ask uh, a question that is, is, is burning the back of my mind? And I, I wasn't going to ask it because there's obviously a lot more we could expand on. But why why Isaac? Because it, it's a great name and it fits this, the title so well. Was it kind of just because of that or was it because there's a deeper meaning behind the name for you? So um, I, I think, I, you know, I like to think that names have really deep meanings but also you do tend to just flip open a you go on like boys name, baby boys names and yeah that said i do i do try and you know I, I i didn't want it to be totally random i liked the idea of having a biblical name because i thought there's a lot in this story about kids books the the, the main character are a, a, a kids book illustrator and a kids book author so I wanted it to be a title that sounded like a kids book and so many people ask me you know when when they see the book or they when they hear that I've written it they go oh is it is it for children because it's called Isaac and the egg it sounds like a kids book but yeah. by by using a, a a biblical name it also sounds like a, a biblical story which is almost the opposite it's like the most you know the most serious grandiose thing so I, I thought it it was nice that it could sound both like a, a parable, but like a, a fairy story at the same time. And then, you know, so I, I went through all these biblical names and I was like, what am I going to call the two main characters? And it was it was really a sort of in-joke with myself that um, Isaac as a name, I believe, means joy. No, it means laughter. Um, and he, he sort of never laughs in the book. He's incredibly miserable. <laughs> and, and no, sorry, I... Yes, and Mary means sadness, and she's only pre- really presented as a as a sort of joyful figure. So it was really like what you know, this sort of me- meeting, mingling of, of of laughter and tears would be mm. Isaac and Mary, and then Egg is a, a, a self explanatory name. I think. Mm. <laughs> Fantastic, love it. One of the there things I loved about this time. Was... Oh, sorry, sorry, there, there was a long time where um, Egg was called Marv. And the book was called in one of the for a long time in, in the early iterations, it was called My Friend Marv, because Egg would pick up an envelope addressed to Mary and misread it as Marv and and that would be his name. Uh, but it ended up being a bit a bit um twee. Yeah, yeah, I'm so glad you went with this one. <laughs> no, I love that. Um, well, I was gonna say one of the things that I really loved about this book was the impact that the films that Isaac and Egg watch have on Egg. Um, there's a certain scene involving a key and he's influenced by the films that he's been watching mm. to how he reacts to what he's, he's going to potentially see. Um, and that was hilarious for me. But how did you decide what films you were going to explore? 
um, when you were writing the book because there's so many great films in there, but they all have very little subtle references to what's going on in the story at that time and things obviously in the in the future narrative as well. The the films I I often get asked sort of why why did I put the films in why why are there so many film references and and really the the most simple answer is like I really like films and I, when I when I'm when I'm describing something you know when I write something down and it's uh, you know there's a there's a giant egg in the forest um and you know there's a puddle rippling and the easiest way for me to describe it is like it's like that bit in jurassic park where the t-rex is coming and the egg looks like you know godzilla's egg in the in the, in the 1995 godzilla film so <laughs> it really it was it was just a sort of natural language for me and it, it goes back to you know not ever really planning on being a novelist i i would say i'm i I read a lot now. I read, I, I read a hell of a lot now, but, but a few years ago, really, I, I wasn't reading much, but I, I watched so many films. So a lot of my cultural references and, and touch points were films. So it was Isaac once again became quite autobiographical and becoming a bit of a film nerd. So much yeah. of his time is spent on his sofa watching yeah. films. So it, it bleeds into his existence. And then also you have this, this character of Egg who is essentially a hodgepodge of of uh, the films that Isaac is watching and the films that Isaac has seen. So you have a very basically I I couldn't I couldn't write this book and not say this is like ET because it, it you know it's the ET story. That's the whole point of it. Isaac finds an alien in the woods and and takes it home and and wonders how to how to get it back to its home. The mystery and that and and what i hope takes the book to another level is in the ways that it then subverts the et story you know you're expecting mm. it to go one way and it doesn't but mm. it's also it's a wonderful life and and for me the film sorry the book uh <laughs> the book is a meeting of those two stories so mm. it's et as the creature that comes into the main character's life but also Clarence as the guardian angel that stops the main character from committing suicide, which is the whole point of It's a Wonderful Life, which is the most heartwarming film of all time, mm. which starts with an attempted suicide. You know, it, so that those two films had have have such a huge presence in the book and had such a huge um, influence on the book, and then and then really it was the presence of those films, and I guess I guess the presence of a filmic sidekick creature in it that that meant i i just felt like i i had to weave all this stuff in you know mary poppins is referenced quite a lot uh mm. but then you also you have memento you have the sixth sense you know all and and to be honest in terms of what was left in i probably had twice as many film references and then when it got to the point <laughs> of, of of trying to make it publishable I, I was essentially told you probably need to lose half these film references. So at that at that point, you know, I went through and I said which which ones serve the plot, which ones have that that deeper meaning that, that you're talking about. And it's nice it's nice doing those sorts of edits and 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 it reading like you intended that all along, or you're reading like you were being that clever all along, because because really it's just a lot of hard work making it feel like you were you were you know not. Um, sort of flying by the seat, seat of your pants, basically. Mm. Chris, have you got any more story-based questions? Because we're going to have to move on to the community questions very shortly. Yeah, I've got one. Um, and it's just because I'm being a bit nosy now. But 
and again, I'm not going to spoil the ending or anything like that, but I think the ending does lend itself to potential other outings with Isaac. Um, I don't know if you agree. Uh, it's something that I've been thinking about since. I've, I've been thinking, is there going to be another Isaac installment at some point? Um, obviously, you don't, no pressure to reveal that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's just my question. I always feel like with my favorite stories like this, I'm sure you can tell how careful I'm trying to be. <laughs> with, my, with my favorite stories that have this sort of emotional element, you know, where, where you, where you, I hope people have this with Isaac and the Egg. I definitely had it when I was writing it, where you fall in love with the, the characters. You always want a sequel until there's a sequel, and then, and then you go, oh, I wish it had been left like it was. I don't have any plans to write a follow-up, but if I did, I know what it would be. Oh, nice. Good answer. I like that. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> I'll tell you after when we when we go off air, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So everybody that is watching this right now, you can ask Bobby some questions, or you can ask us collectively uh, some questions or individually. Anything you like, uh, within reason. Um, please send them into the chat now, and we will get on asking some questions and some staple questions. So thank you very much. And I will play the VT for you, Chris. Here we go. Okie dokie. So Chris, start us off with the staple questions. And we've got a couple coming in already, so we'll jump into them very shortly. Yeah, so one of the first staple questions that we have on the show is if you could take any character from fiction and recreate them, have a crack with at them, so, you know, you have a crack at That goes down differently depending on what we say uh, or who interprets it. But if you could make them your own, basically, who would it be and why? Um, I've always been... I've always been fascinated by Wuthering Heights. I've always just loved it as a bit. It's the most melodramatic. Uh, I, you know, I read it as a as a as an emo teenager. So obviously, Ooh. I was going to fall in love with it. Um, and I think Heathcliff is just one of those characters. You know, he is a total dick, like just awful, awful. And uh, he was awful at the time. And by modern standards, he's even more awful. But I think he's just such an interesting character that I would like to. You know, maybe try and maybe try and redeem him. Maybe try and make him make him worse. <laughs> I don't know, but I uh, yeah, I'd I'd love to, I'd love to do something with Heathcliff, so to speak. Yeah, love it. It's a great That's answer. A, brilliant. So, if you could take the ending of anything, and we open this up to TV and film as well, so you you might like this on that side of things, and change the ending to something, uh, for any reason, what would you change and why? Oh. That's a difficult one. Um, I'm trying to, I, you know, that when you your mind goes blank of anything you've ever watched or read. So um, we can uh, we can come back to that if you like. Well, I w one thing I'd say is I'm I like I hate sad endings. I like absolutely hate sad endings. So I'd probably go to like something really sad or even something where anything bad happens to anyone like well, I'd, I'd go to the great gatsby and it'd be like oh gatsby and it's like over 100 years old but like oh yeah, blank, spoilers blank, fine and, but it... and blank doesn't blank but yeah yeah uh, i well, yeah i'd probably make every every sad ending a happy ending 
Although my book probably has a somewhat sad ending. Suggests that every sad ending can't be a happy ending because, for example, Romeo and Juliet would be a terrible happy ending. Like, how would that end? You would just see like a happy married couple, and that's the you know, it's not exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you'd have like fifteen sequels. Yeah, <laughs> like Fast and the Furious. But there you go. Um, Maybe that's what I did. Maybe I'd change every book so that both the main characters die at the end, so that you can never get any sequels that you don't don't in need. Every single book. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. I think that's a great idea. Uh, <laughs> Chris, um, should we move on to the audience questions? Because there's a couple there. Yeah, there's quite a few there, isn't there? So yeah. we'll go on that, yeah. Uh, so thank you, Vicky Newman. Um, hello to you. Uh, how did you balance the story element with the mental health element? Or does the story carry the latter? I, I guess the easiest way of answering that would be to say I wrote the story first and then I rewrote the story with all the... All the you know, I actually... I, I had a list of themes, storylines, characters, and how I wanted to weave them all together. And then I, I essentially color-coded it and, and nice. threaded that into the story that I had written. Um, mm. In terms of how I wrote the wrote the bare bones of the story, how I, how I made Isaac's journey sort of make sense with, with how his mental health was developing is that I the the very original idea of egg was that egg represented the seven stages of grief so you would start you know kind of, or is it five five stages of grief so i should probably know that <laughs> but um you you'd start i can't even remember the order they're in but but you know you have anger second and there was a very um there's a very angry scene that happens quite earlier on early on like you know they they're both filled with this animal rage and then you have depression which which would be the middle part of the book and then you'd have um it's not delusion it's something like delusion um and then you have acceptance at the end so it, it you know it was a 10 chapter book with five stages of grief so i i mapped it out with that in the first case and and much like the five stages of grief which are often debunked as an idea that was a very simplistic way of looking at it but it but it helped as a as a skeleton that I could then craft a, a plot on. Because when, when I first came up with the idea for the book, I essentially had two or three scenes in my head. You know, I said, like, what if I did that E.T. Baby Yoda thing in a really serious story? And I had uh, Isaac finding the egg, the scene I just talked about in the kitchen, uh, and a scene later on where um, Isaac and Egg endeavor to throw out Mary's old clothes. Those were the first three scenes in my head, and I essentially stitched together from those but it was you know it was it was a night in terms of the mental health stuff it, it it wasn't too hard to write and it was a nice it was almost uh easy to write because i had this physical egg was a physical manifestation of what was going on so it was like if isaac is smashing up his kitchen egg will be sort of doing the same but treating it like a game if yeah. i like unable to throw away mary's clothes egg will be tearing them out of the closet so it, it that Isaac's mental health made it a lot easier to to sort of display what was happening inside his head. Fantastic! Thanks for that uh, question, Vicky. Very good. And we've got one from Linda. I'm when horrified writing, by this one. Oh no, it's not that one. There's another one that horrifies me. <laughs> the next one. Um, when writing emotionally dark material, how do you disconnect enough? So you're not dragged down in your day-to-day -day life. Oh, that's a brilliant question. How do you separate writing from life? 
That's a great question. That is a good question. I, to be honest, when I was writing this book, it was hard because the pubs were closed and uh, <laughs> the I had no work. You know, I, I was a freelance journalist. So I lost all of my work and, and and I was in a quite precarious position. I was I was really scared about uh, my professional life, not to mention the, the the pandemic, which was raging. So I couldn't really separate the the sort of the anxiety and 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 despair of 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 the darker elements of this story from from what I was living and and to be honest I I wouldn't have wanted to because it it fed into my writing if it was normal life uh, you know if if it was you know now now uh, you know I'm 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 writing something that's got Ooh. similar it's got sadness in it um I just like going outside. I just, I really have started to try and prioritize just being outside a lot. I think a lot of people during um, during COVID had the same thing. I moved out of London. I, I now live live in the countryside, and I think I have my best ideas when I'm when I'm walking when there's no one around. Um, yeah. And it also just really helps clear your head. I've got a, I've got a dog now as well, and I, 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 if you've got a dog in the same room, it's very hard to be sad. <laughs> Is your dog called Egg? Uh, he's called Gromit. Oh. <laughs> egg, egg was based. Egg was based on my uh, brother-in-law's cat, who was staying with us during um, during lockdown one. And, and so many of Egg's mannerisms are based <laughs> on a cat with a with a very you know tubby white belly that would sort of squeak every time it came into the room. I completely agree with uh, getting outside. And I've mentioned this before when people talk about how do you create your ideas or, or even think of something or develop your ideas in your mind exercise or getting out for walking yep. in, in the open for me is is massively key um so if you haven't done that please do get out fresh air go for a walk and as you said after like 20 minutes even if you're not thinking of it suddenly oh i'm back on the story the problem um, is when i when i go for like a nice long walk outside and i try and disconnect i find myself writing notes in my phone the whole yeah. time <laughs> Yeah, it's tricky. Uh, great question. Thank you very much, Linda. And and then this one, Chris, I believe is the one you're talking about. Halo says, since you drew inspiration from E.T., what other lighthearted book or film would you like to retail? Um, re sorry, retail with a dark spin. I'm actually doing it with my next book. I, I wanted to do a similar thing, uh, you know, tell a story of... of uh, male mental health, but also, you know, there's more characters in this one that, you know, it's... It's about sort of fraught family relationships and and you know lost time uh, things unsaid, but it's also sort of a retelling of the Fantastic Mr. Fox and uh, and the Beatrix Potter books. It, it, it was I wanted to do a really serious story where you kind of have talking woodland animals in it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, more more on that soon. <laughs> So uh, we keep going back to the woodlands with your stories. Is there? A, yes. Is there a yeah, yeah. It's, ba it's basically taking things that, that are for kids and then and then making them traumatic. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, every, every, look at every Disney film that's had been ever be made. Right. It always starts yeah. with the parents dying. Yeah, and I think I mean Pixar. Pixar films are something I I genuinely try and emulate in my mm. writing because I don't think anything can distill such big themes into into such almost you know brightly colored comedic comedic settings mm. but, you know I, I cry more than anything at pixar films mm. and i cry a lot mm. <laughs> no chris the question that horrified me is the other one from linda um just obviously getting to know egg through the journey oh, of this right, novel okay. 
Um, so yeah, we'll, the prospect we'll, of we'll, that. We'll finish off with this on the one hour mark. <laughs> um, Linda said, "If you eat eggs, how do you prepare them?" <laughs> um, I like uh, I like uh, you know eggs as soldiers. I like a I like a boiled egg because boiled I think egg. sometimes eggs can be quite quite a gruesome food like I, I feel like they're, they're one of those there are certain dairy products where it's quite easy to separate it from the cow but when you're when you're eating eggs you're quite aware of what you're eating so <laughs> i like a, i like a, a wholesome boiled egg on a on a saturday morning but but poached and scrambled quite often turns mm. my stomach chris what about you yeah i mean I, can, I don't think i could end the interview without mentioning beans um because be- beans play a significant part. So much so that I made beans on toast more times reading this book than I did. Any That's other amazing. Man. It's one yeah. of the funniest things that has come out of this book is I, I didn't realize when I was writing it that the beans were, were really like that much of a part of it. But people send me pictures of their beans on toast now. <laughs> the, end, you know, the end papers of the hardback, I've got the yeah. end papers of the hardback uh, ended up being beans. Oh, amazing. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. it's a, it, yeah, it's as much a book about beans as it is about eggs. <laughs> yeah, Heinz yeah. should produce this film just for the promotion of beans. Yeah, yeah, on it. Use Isaac and the Egg Heinz. Uh, buy, no. They can buy uh, advertising space in the middle of. Yeah, the, exactly. Uh, I, I will ask the. I, I will ask the other question then, based on what you just said. Have you had film or TV interest? And if not, then should we contact Heinz? Let's go for it. That is a question that I cannot answer. <laughs> but ob- I mean, obviously, you you know that I I want to see it on screen. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would, I think any author would would want to see their book on screen. But definitely, as as someone who who wrote a book that was so inspired by films, like I, I yeah. think, um, you know, I've got such a clear image of of egg in my head. But the, also, like I I don't really, and there, you know, there was talk very early on of of having an illustration maybe on the on the back page or something but i think it's it's been really amazing seeing how people see egg and how differently he is yeah. can see like how, how differently he looks in everyone's heads so i almost think as soon as you have a film it, it will take that uh magic away because everyone will have a, an image of, of what egg looks like so you know i I'd, I'd like there to be a, a a while at least where everyone can have their own eggs and then uh and then yeah i will uh Here's a question then. Uh, I'm also someone that has loved film, and that's where my kind of um, background was. Uh, and this question, I love asking based on that. If if they were to take your film, uh, your book, and say, right, we'll make the movie, and then they decide that the ending that that you've made, they want to change, but that's the deal. Ooh. Would you take it or not? I I'm someone who I have. I have quite a hands-off approach to adaptation. Not that, and that's not saying I wouldn't love to to write the film, but I think the worst kind of adaptations of books are the ones where they just take every single page and put it on the screen because the book's always better. I, yeah. you know, I would like someone to make a version of Isaac and the Egg, which is crazy and and nothing <laughs> nothing like my book. You know, that that would be my preferred adaptation. So yeah, that you know they can um, they can do what they like with it really as lo- well as long as it's not like you know the happy ending thing we were talking about earlier as long as it's not like mary comes back to life and everyone is <laughs> happy ever after you know um yeah don't do that no, I, I you know I, I think i think experimentation is is great in in adaptation i think it would be really exciting to see someone have have some fun with it and make it their own but um Amazing. 
within reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's something we can look forward to. We can all manifest it for 2023 or 2024 or whenever. Yeah. Uh, Chris, just before I ask uh, where can people find this and all that business, do you want to ask the final staple question we haven't asked yet? And then we'll move yeah. on and finish it. I mean, the final staple question, I feel like we may have touched on it slightly, but it's a quite a morbid question. Um, you're on your deathbed and you're looking back at your writing career and you're thinking about it, obviously. But what is success to you? What, what would you be happy with? I think success is just anyone enjoying what you've written anyone who anyone who's not you know your your mum or your wife or your brother enjoying what you've written so you know i i one thing i've found about being published is you you move the goalposts a lot you as soon as your book's out you are sort of not happy with with even if it's doing really well you're not happy with how it's doing you're you're looking at the the next thing you 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 want that next level of of success and it's it's really hard to look around and and smell the roses and i think <laughs> Just having having anyone read it, having any you know message that says this book, you know, I connected with this book. This book, I felt sort of changed from reading it. That that is is you know a real measure of success. I'd say, mm, amazing, Brilliant. yeah, great answer, fantastic. Okay, so just before we finish, then, Bobby, please let everybody know where can they find your book and where can they find out more about you. Yes, yeah, so my book is available from you know wherever you like to to get your books so it's in it's in waterstones it's on uh it's on bookshop it's on amazon um or you'll get it from your local library um it is out in paperback in april so um if you want to wait and save uh do that but please do pre-order if you want to get it in paperback because pre-orders matter massively to authors uh, and if you want to find out more about me, I guess I guess the the thing I'd say is I've got, I've got a, a, a podcast I've just started with um, Pandora Sykes, um, where we talk about books. It's called Book Chat. So um, if you if you want some more book chat, other than other than this show, of course, uh, you can listen to Book Chat on uh, the Apple Podcast app, on Spotify, uh, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can indeed. Um, I will leave. The links to all of those things are already in the description. And I listened to that, Bobby, the other day, um, one of your episodes. And I normally just dip in and have a listen while I'm prepping a show if they've got a podcast. I listened to the entire episode. Fantastic. Oh, great. Well, the next the next episode's about Wuthering Heights. So I think that's going to be a fun one. <laughs> well, you've got a new listener. I will tune into that. So thank you. Um, brilliant. And I also, I'm super intrigued about this book. I will be getting this uh, very much so. So thank you so much and for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Uh, for me, it's, it's thank you. And, and Chris, I'm sure you're the same. Yeah, thank you so much, Bobby, for coming on the show. Um, again, a fan of the podcast. I listen to it. And one of the things I love about it is the fact that they are older books. Uh, and you're not talking about brand new uh, books. So they're easily attainable for people to get hold of a copy and get involved with the conversation that you have in, in terms of understanding the complexities of the books that you've, you've suggested. And I think it's a great idea. Um, yeah. Tune in yeah, to Bobby's we're, podcast. <laughs> we're hoping that you be, we're trying to do all books are, are older than two years old so that people can get them from the library or they can get them secondhand so that yes. they can sort of, we'll, at the end of every episode, we'll say what we're reading next month. So it's almost like a, an audible uh, book club. Yeah, um, brilliant. Great idea. But yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's been, it's been good fun. Well, thank you for coming uh, on. 
Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. It's an absolute pleasure to be back uh, 2023. Again, let us know what your goals are for 2023. Tag us on Twitter or in the comments to this video. Please let us know. And we'll try our best to support you through the year. And again, mental health. Some of you know in the chat group, I I've openly been open about it this week. I've been struggling. Some of you guys in our VIPs have been really supportive. It's something that we go through, especially this time of year. So please do talk. I did vent. Uh, you guys helped me. It's, it's kind of the way it works. So please open up about it and, and support each other. So thank you so much and we will see you next week. My mind is Let's go.